Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Well, it is um, the beginning of the new university term, or certainly for us here in the University of Northampton, and uh, it's probably not been much of a holiday for many of the staff throughout the summer, and in particular for my next guest, um, who is the Director of Estates and Campus Services at the University of Northampton, and I'd like to welcome Becky Bradshaw. And, and Becky, have you had a holiday? Um, no, I haven't, uh, Adrian, actually, um, but thank you for asking. Uh, I, I had um, a week's break um, in, uh, in about June time, but unfortunately not able to get away, um, I think, before everything changed again uh, in regards to travel uh, arrangements. Mm, how, how would you describe the last you know, six, seven months then in terms of the impact upon you and your team? Um, I think it's fair to say it, it, it's been a challenge. Uh, a very long, very long days, very long weeks. Uh, the team, though, have been incredibly resilient. Uh, so I head up a, a department of about 230 uh, individuals um, that operate across our various different sites um, in Northampton Town. Uh, and they, you know, they, they have been working extremely hard uh, since, since March, it's fair to say. Um, but uh, thankfully, they have most of those have managed to take a break and been able to recharge the batteries uh, in readiness for the start of the new academic year. What's been the, you know, I and mean, we know the context is the challenge itself, but what has been perhaps the hardest thing to, to, to address? And what have you, what's the thing you've most learned? What have you learned in this time? Um, I, I think the, the most challenging element of, of the whole crisis really has been the change in uh, continual change of, of guidance and restrictions, most of which certainly for us as a sector has come incredibly late. Uh, so we had flagged um, very early on in the pandemic uh, the uh, obviously the, the potential um, issues that may arise uh, ready for the for, for the new academic year and the fact that we needed national guidance as a sector um, in relation to um, to reopening uh, university campuses. Unfortunately, that did come very late in the day. Um, we are lucky as a sector to work together uh, and have a, a number of different professional associations that um, have helped to, together um, to, to gather that, that guidance. But I think that in itself has been challenging because just as quick as we've made a decision, something else has changed and we've had to obviously negate um, on, on that decision um, or alter it. So um, I think that's probably been the most difficult. I think in terms of what I've learned, um, uh, about myself, I suppose, is that um, that I am a lot more resilient uh, than I than I um, had possibly thought beforehand, um, and there's certainly not going to be a challenge like this again. So um, 
I think most things will seem quite easy after this, I'd like to think. Yeah, every cloud has a silver lining, I guess. You referred there to working with other universities then, but, you know, it seems like uh, the countries haven't worked closely together. Every country's got a different approach. And it, from, from the news, the different universities seem to be handling it in different ways. I mean, what, what might drive those differences in terms of how a university might address it? And, and to what extent would you say there's a common approach across the sector? I mean, I think that the, the differences are driven um, by uh, their normal mode of teaching delivery, size of institution, um, demographic of students, uh, um, the, uh, the, the volume of international recruitment, for example. Um, I think where, where we're similar um, is that, you know, from, a, from an accommodation point of view, we're all facing the same challenges around um, potential cases in student accommodation um, and, and, and outbreaks, and also um, the same arrangements for our physical estate. So my counterparts uh, in, in other institutions um, throughout uh, the UK will be doing pretty much the same in terms of the, the physical environment. So uh, sanitization arrangements, social distancing um, and the likes. Mm. And what does that mean then? Just go through, I mean, obviously I've experienced it. I'm going onto campus now. I have to go to face-to-face -face classes, but just tell us some of the things that have been um, implemented to keep for social distancing. Of course. So probably back in, in, in about May now, Adrian, uh, we undertook uh, quite a, a detailed and comprehensive risk assessment of the entire university estate uh, to look at our, our physical environment and the activities and implement um, the, the guidance that was at the time, uh, the kind of six pack, um, the six pack of guidance um, that was issued for businesses. Uh, so these arrangements focus on uh, ensuring that the individuals are socially distant around the campus. So uh, our um, default is two meters where we can and not the one meter, one meter plus, although we have had to introduce that into our teaching um, environments. There are um, a plentiful supply of uh, hand sanitization stations. We've implemented the mandatory use of face coverings, which was um, actually before uh, that was required um, in law, and also a number of one-way systems throughout the campus and restrictions on smaller spaces, such as uh, passenger lifts, uh, for example. Mm. And we've, we're sort of on this, basically, the first week of the new term. We had Freshers' Week last week. What's been the reaction so far, would you say, of both students and staff to the new environment? The, so to the environment, um, Adrian, I think the, the uh, reaction has been very positive. Um, so the feedback that we've had um, from staff and students alike is that they feel um, that we've taken all the necessary measures to keep them and our community uh, safe throughout this period. Uh, we've also had a number of um, ambassadors on hand to remind individuals of the arrangements that we've put in place, uh, which I think has, has been well received. Um, from, from our entire university community. Mm. Uh, regards freshers, we have still had a freshers program. Uh, it's an important part of, um, of university life for our new, our, our new students, but it has focused on smaller activities. So um, activities that involve six, uh, six people uh, and um, so that we could still deliver a, a freshers program, but just focused around those smaller groups to maintain that distance. You probably sold a lot less beer then last week. 
than normal. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the numbers like? I mean, have students, as we, you know, we knew from clearing that we had so many students have applied and uh, accepted their places. Are they turning up or are they relying on a lot of online delivery? No, so numbers are looking um, looking encouraging. So, uh, um, and certainly in our accommodation building buildings, um, from a from a home students perspective, we are we have the same number of students that we had expected. We are slightly down uh, on our international arrivals into student accommodation. But that's because we've taken a more flexible approach for our international arrivals, um, acknowledging the fact that many of them are facing difficulties uh, in country in terms of getting visas, travel restrictions, flight restrictions, etc. So they actually have until December um, to uh, arrive on campus. And in between now and then, they can uh, um, uh, take part in their academic studies remotely or virtually and they will not be charged uh, until, oh, sorry, Adrian, that was my phone just ringing there. I don't know if you could hear no, that. No, didn't hear it. Uh, oh, sorry, apologies. Um, so they will not be charged until um, they arrive with us. Uh, and also when they do arrive, for those, in, uh, those students that are arriving from countries that are outside of the travel corridors list, uh, we will provide quarantine or isolation accommodation for them for the period that they need to isolate, again, free of charge, um, giving them a kind of wraparound support package of food and pastoral care during that period. Excellent indeed. So is the accommodation being kept empty waiting for them or have you put it to other uses? So the, uh, the accommodation that has been allocated for those individuals is empty and waiting for them to arrive. It is technically um, their, um, their room and it is ready for them to arrive at um, the point that they are able to. However, we do have um, a small number of rooms uh, that are vacant this year, um, both at our Belton Green Road um, Scholars Green accommodation and our old site at St George's Avenue. Now, the St George's Avenue campus is being used for our isolation accommodation uh, that I just mentioned, and we are still also supporting North Ants, uh, Northampton General Hospital uh, with accommodation at Scholars Green. So this is for key workers who have been unable to return home to their families uh, during the current pandemic. Well, that's very admirable. I assume that we're, the university is being paid for that, albeit at a, at a, a mate's rate or whatever, no? Uh, we are being paid, but li but literally only at cost. So uh, the university is making no profit um, at all uh, on that arrangement. Um, so uh, we are purely covering our costs for that service. And how closely does the university work with the other sort of institutions, civic or health, or whatever, in the county on this kind of crisis management? closely um, so uh, we have been working with the local authority and also uh, the um, public health team for a number of months now uh, to develop our uh, response plan so our um, outbreak prevention and response uh, response plan uh, alongside um, some of the other initiatives and projects um, that, I, that I haven't mentioned actually such as uh, the accommodation for rough sleepers uh, that we have provided at um, our St John's House um, accommodation in the town centre. We are also um, part of a, um, a, a weekly press conference um, 
between each of those um, those parties um, to be able to answer uh, answer questions on the current um, outbreak or our current pan pandemic and our response to that. Okay, so there's an awful lot going on. I presume you are at the forefront of that, or is there a sort of um, a crisis management team at the university? Yep, so we have a crisis management team, just like you would expect um, anywhere else, but I do chair that um, that critical incident team, um, which we've actually um, now transitioned into our business recovery phase. Um, so uh, we are no longer um, in our sort of crisis management mode um, and more um, focused on, on business recovery. Um, but I do chair I do chair that group. Uh, but it includes um, not only our university management team, but also representatives from our recognised staff trade unions, other staff representatives, and also our students' union. Okay. Well, looking forward, um, what you know we're seeing in the press that universities potentially were locking down their students; they can't go home for Christmas. Um, students are obviously asking for refunds, both on accommodation and teaching. Uh, you know, what's our latest thinking on those issues? Um, I mean, in regards to the um, the issue of Christmas, Adrian, at the moment, uh, the, uh, the English universities um, are not being asked um, to prevent uh, students from going home at Christmas. The the advice in the Department for Education guidance that came out a few weeks ago states that students shouldn't return home if they are symptomatic or positive. Clearly, they should be isolating in their student accommodation. But there is no suggestion um, as yet uh, in, in regards to the Christmas um, holiday period. Um, and we will obviously um, obviously take account of the, of, of the advice and guidance as it changes in, in, in that regard. But I think it would be an incredibly sad situation for our students not to be able to return home to their families um, for, that, for that period. And maybe... Um, it is also something that they did not, a situation they did not expect to be in when they decided to come um, to university at the start of this academic year. Um, okay. In regards to the to the refunds, uh, we accept that um, that you know that the, some some individuals um, again maybe um, may end up with in a situation um, where they are unable. Um, to make the full use of their of their accommodation, and we are reviewing um, that uh, our position on that. Um, but again, it would really reflect um, or be in response to uh, lockdown arrangements that may be put in place at the time. Mm. Okay. So looking forward, then, um, I guess you've got uh, you know you're saying government is sometimes late to share its thinking, but from your own perspective, scenario planning, the best, worst, and most likely case. Um, 12 to 18 months out you know what's yeah. what's what's on your mind um, I mean we have a we have a, a response plan that's actually been developed um, to a, a, a tiered response plan um, uh, that uh, as the name suggests as it suggests puts in place a number of measures in response to um, the, the pandemic as it changes now um, and how and also as the local situation changes obviously there has been a, um, a move towards local restrictions rather than national restrictions um, this plan uh, takes us through a, a, a kind of business as usual um, so business as it is now so I don't think we're going to be getting back to a business as was um, situation for 
for, for maybe some time. Um, and this plan takes us all the way through to going back to a, to a uh, either a local or national lockdown um, scenario where we need to revert back to um, completely uh, virtual or remote delivery for our um, teaching and other university activities. Um, we have exercised that plan uh, with the with the relevant authorities and also um, the uh, business recovery um, team that I that I mentioned earlier on. So we are we are ready to 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 um, implement that if necessary. Uh, I think, given the change in infection rates. Um, it, it was only right that, that we have exercised that plan and I think um, that uh, that obviously if the situation changes in Northampton in terms of infection rates which by the way have been um, decreasing that was announced um, at the back end of last week but if we do see um, a change to that movement in the opposite direction uh, then we may need um, to actually implement uh, the further tiers uh, of that plan and move to a more remote delivery model again. So you've got you know, a response to whether it is the best, worst or, or most likely. How well are we doing compared to others, given that we have A, a new campus, B, we've moved towards a blended learning, physical as well as online teaching uh, was, you know, was introduced three, four years ago, not just recently. How well are we, would you say we're doing compared to competitors or even the big, you know, well-known red brick universities? Yeah, I think that we were well placed to move to um, to, to sort of virtual delivery or remote delivery, um, given our active blended learning model that uh, that was introduced shortly prior to our relocation to Waterside. It meant that we could uh, uh, make the changes necessary very quickly. Uh, so the the decision to move to um, remote delivery back in March uh, took place two weeks before, um, less than, in fact, less than two weeks uh, before we actually then decided to shut the physical campus on the 20th of March. And we were only able to move that quickly because of the um, active learning model that we, um, that we currently have in place at the University of Northampton. Mm. Do you think the business models of the university sector then, uh, you know, uh, is going to change? I mean, people are talking about this crisis as accelerating trends that were already visible. I mean, think about home working, whether we're going to go back to everybody commuting five days a week. But, you know, are there some threats or indeed opportunities as a result of this in the long run? Yeah, I mean... I think there is still absolutely a place for face-to-face um, -face delivery and an on-campus experience for our students. Uh, they, you know, our students don't come to us purely for um, the academic delivery. It's also the life experience that they get from from meeting others from um, around the country and and, and around the world, um, and also being able to support themselves while whilst they are with us. Um, so I think there is still absolutely a place um, for an on-campus uh, experience. But where there there are opportunities, um, certainly, you know, um, I'm sure it will come as no surprise as a director of estates is for for me to talk about estate efficiency. Um, you know, we uh, have shown uh, that we can work remotely. Um, and again, we were we were probably in a good. In fact, we were in a good position um, prior to to the lockdown because we had already moved to an agile working um, model um, at Northampton, at least for our um, our academic colleagues. Anyway, 
but we hadn't yet moved um, to that uh, that approach for our professional services. The lockdown um, forced us forced our hand um, in that regard, um, and it has been uh, well received, and it ha and it has enabled us to take another look at the university estate and make sure that we are being as efficient as we can be with the space that is available to us, um, which is one of um, our most expensive um, assets. As space, you know, costs the university a lot of money. Um, so uh, I, I think that's a real opportunity for us. Oh, indeed. Well, if any of our students are listening, um, Becky, you know, just in case they don't know, I mean, I've had a class this morning and master's international students on the MBA, um, I think about 60 across two sessions, something like 20% were saying admitted anonymously that they, you know, they had some challenges under this thing. Now, yeah. just to remind them, if they're looking for any help or support, obviously, you know, I can help on the academic side, but uh, where, would you, where would you suggest that the students go for any help, especially new students coming in? Yeah, so the, the, the first point of contact is also always the student in, um, information desk. Um, so our, our students can um, contact our support services through that, through that, that service. Um, if students are um, staying in uh, our university owned accommodation, uh, then our residential life team are available and on hand to give them um, pastoral care and support, but also um, a, a kind of a, again a, a kind of wraparound um, service if they are isolating Adrian so again the students that you spoke to this morning um, may some of them may have been in a situation where they are experiencing symptoms themselves and needing to isolate um, for, for the necessary period and we are aware that that means that uh, that those individuals will need access to food study support um, library books for example all of which they can get um, through a kind of click and collect service um, that we have on offer for them or click and delivery service that they have we have on offer. Okay well Becky well thank you very much for a very comprehensive you know look at what um, we're doing in terms of um, the university. It's going to be a very interesting term for staff and students alike for faculty as well as um, estate staff that's for sure. Yeah. You know any sort of last minute messages or appeals that you'd like to 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 share with the listeners in the town as much as with our students and staff that might be listening? Um, I think it's, it's probably going to be an obvious one Adrian but um, given all that we've been talking about um, I really just would like to end um, on asking our, um, our staff and student community um, to ensure that if they are experiencing um, COVID-19 symptoms um, that they do isolate uh, they do arrange to get themselves a test and they notify us um, as soon as possible and um, that uh, if they are they have a smartphone that they download uh, the new NHS COVID-19 app um, which enables um, a swifter test and trace process for, for all that's concerned so um, I think it would be remiss of me not to end uh, on that note. Indeed and one quick last question we don't have on campus do we testing facilities though at the moment? Uh, we don't have testing facilities on campus at the moment. Uh, we are exploring a scheme for our students in university-owned accommodation um, to support um, the NHS testing uh, programme, and that's because there, um, it, you know, it's, it, it's been um, in the national press. I know uh, there are considerable delays 
in being able to get a test um, and results at the moment and it is clearly important for us to know uh, that a student is um, uh, symptomatic or positive as quickly as possible in university-owned accommodation so we are exploring a way of supporting uh, the NHS programme through um, our own uh, facility or our own service on campus um, and we also have been working with the local public health team to ensure that uh, if the situation or circumstances change and they need a, a location for testing facilities that we are able to support them uh, in that endeavour. Excellent. Well, Becky Bradshaw, Director of Estates and Campus Services at the University of Northampton, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us, to give us such a, a full and comprehensive look at really, you know, your life in the last few months and obviously all the efforts that the university is doing to help the town, but also to help its students and staff. Becky, keep up the good work. Keep safe. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from... 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.